Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. It's Scout Fantasy Sports. you can get 70% off your first month. So make sure you check it out today. And, of course, you can find my latest work at ScoutFantasySports.com with the Blind Bidding Guide Week 9 Fab. Critical week here as you have six teams on by and a lot of movement going on today. Latest podcast from Dr. Roto is up as well. And Dr. Roto has an article on running backs to buy and sell. We have breakdown from the trade deadline, the analysis, uh, get different viewpoints from all of us. And the week nine projections from Sean Childs are up. And remember, top 10, according to Fantasy Pros, were number one for a while. And I think the last I saw was eighth. Haven't seen the rankings. So they've been pretty good. Top 10 last year as well. So they're very different from the conventional ones. And uh, that's why they are so successful. So make sure you check it out. If you have any questions, you could always ask them on the message boards and the forums. And especially with everything that went down today. You might have a lot more questions, even getting questions on basketball and dynasty baseball trades, whatever it is, we will answer it uh, when you become a member. Uh, so check it out again, scoutfantasysports.com. Scout DFS as well. Uh, very good NBA optimizer picks yesterday, and I love NBA DFS. So we have you covered there for NBA, NHL, and NFL as well. So the best thing to do is sign up for the all sports packages for DFS. So you can check that out uh, as well. And I'm going to repeat this numerous times. I mean, until you guys sign up, uh, VegasWhispers.com. The pick last night was New England minus 13 and a half. And they covered. I know it looked dicey for a while, but they had that pick six late to seal it. Um, The free pick of the day, because we do full disclosure here, was the under on the Maverick Spurs game. Unfortunately, it did not go under. It went over because the game went to overtime. So one of those unforeseen things. But they do have a a free pick up for today. Uh, Looking at it right now, and they have the Flyers plus 108. So you can always check out the free picks of the day. But the prime time picks have been money, and I always tweet it out. Uh, Again, at Adam Ronis on Twitter because uh, I, I want you guys to win. You know, that's the, the goal here is to help you guys win. And uh, the picks have been money this year. Uh, right now uh, on Monday Night Football, 8-1 and one against the spread so far this year. Monday Night Football and Thursday Night Football, 12-4-1 against the spread. So if you go to VegasWhispers.com, use the code HOT50 to get a discount. Uh, week 8 picks in the NFL were 4-0. and 0. 
Um, and the past three days, 11-1. and one. So obviously, we know that's not going to continue. No one is that good. But the point is, a lot of these picks have been money. And uh, if you just stick with the process and basically roll with the picks, you're going to be ahead in the end. So again, like everything, we all know this. There's going to be ups and downs, but a lot of ups lately. The World Series, they were 5-1. and one. So again, this is very... Uh, excellent stuff. Again, I follow it. I get all the picks. Once you become a member, you get the private Twitter feed, the VIP, and you can set your alerts and get the picks. So uh, very good stuff there. And I want you guys to take advantage of it and win some money. Well, Bill Enright from FFChamps.com. He'll be coming up at 7.20 p.m. Eastern. Uh, obviously, he does very well in the Fantasy Pros rankings as well. Uh, he was top 10 last year, and I believe he's still in the top 10 this year as well. So the combination... Uh, is definitely good for you guys, uh, for sure. Let's take a look at the news from today. Of course, trade deadline today and some big trades affecting your fantasy teams. We started off with the Eagles. They acquire Golden Tate from the Eagles for a third. Well, no, the Eagles acquire Golden Tate from the Lions for a third round pick. So Golden Tate obviously has been very valuable in PPR formats over the last several years. He was getting a big target share in Detroit, about 27% of the target share this season. And now he goes to the Eagles. Now, the unfortunate part here, if you own Golden Tate, is he is on a bye week this week as the Eagles have to buy. This is the second bye week of the season, unfortunately, for Golden Tate. The Lions had their bye in week six. So we saw the same thing happen with Amari Cooper when he got traded to the Cowboys because the Cowboys had a bye in week eight. So Cooper with two buys and... Now, a similar situation here for uh, Golden Tate. So, Golden Tate moving to Philadelphia, definitely good for the Eagles. Uh, it helps Carson Wentz, gives him another weapon. I think it's a slight downgrade for Tate uh, in, in the fantasy purposes. Maybe he's more of a wide receiver three, but not major. You know, they have not really run the football very well. They've kind of rotated running backs, and there was a lot of talk about the Eagles maybe trading for running back. That didn't happen. So you have Adams there who's kind of emerged a little bit, someone you're looking at on the waiver wire this week in deeper leagues. Wendell Smallwood, Corey Clement, they just haven't been very effective. So they could use Golden Tate as an extension of the running game and pepper him with targets. You know, I don't think it's going to hurt Alshon Jeffrey and Zach Ertz. Maybe a slight downtick, but Ertz and Wentz just have that chemistry, and Ertz is a big part of this offense. And Alshon Jeffrey has looked really good this year. You know, I was down on him before the year, but it seems like that surgery has really helped him. He's looked good. So I think this is a... A really good uh, offense right now. So it, Tate, it gives them the extra week, too. With the bye week, it gives them another week to kind of get acclimated and learn the offense. That's always the risk with these wide receivers changing teams in the middle of the year. I mean, we see free agent wide receivers go to new teams, and they struggle a little bit. Uh, now you're seeing, uh, you know, in the middle of the year, could be a little bit of a difficult uh, adjustment period uh, as they learn the playbook, try to gain chemistry with the quarterback. So uh, just a slight downtick for Golden Tate because, again, he was getting 27% of the target share in Detroit. He's not going to get that much uh, at, at at that level going to Philadelphia. So, uh, again, hurts him a little bit. As far as the Nelson Aguilar is a big loser in this, uh, you know, Golden Tate has played the slot mostly the last few years. He has played outside. He did in Seattle. So it'll be interesting to see where they use him. But Nelson, Nelson Aguilar was already trending downward anyway, pretty much ever since uh, Alshon Jeffrey came back. And Aguilar is clearly most effective in the slot. We've kind of seen that. So, you know, he hasn't scored a touchdown since week two. Uh, you know, he's given you seven, eight points of PPR formats. But this trade 
going to hurt him. And I think in a lot of leagues you can cut Aguilar. I just don't see him having a big role in this offense. So, uh, you know, Eagles, once again, as they did last year, making a big push here. What does this do on the other side for Detroit? Kenny Galladay's a big winner here. And I was getting questions on the message boards at ScoutFantasySports.com. People were worried about Galladay. And I said, look, you just and this was before the trade, just stay the course. I know he only has three targets over the last two weeks. He had a touchdown call back in week seven on a penalty. He had three touchdowns call back on penalties this year. But I felt like all three receivers in Detroit could be valuable. And the, one of the problems is, is that they haven't really passed much uh, for a period. The Dallas, Green Bay, and Miami games... Stafford had 30 pass attempts or fewer. Now, he had 40 this past week, so that was the concern there because they were playing from behind against Seattle, and Galladay didn't have a big target share. But now with Golden Tate gone, it just opens it up. Galladay can play the slot at times a little bit as well, but Galladay's a stud. This is really big for him. Hopefully, you didn't panic and make a bad move with a trade. Uh, Galladay is in a really good spot. And, of course, the other guy who benefits is Marvin Jones, and it's funny because we had this discussion last week. Uh, I wrote about it in the Stockwatch, and I had a conversation with Christopher Carroll from The Athletic last week. Uh, he was lamenting taking Marvin Jones uh, in the fifth round of a draft that we played together, the GST League, where you know he passed on a couple of receivers that were performing better. But I told him I didn't think it was going to be a problem for Marvin Jones the rest of the day. I felt like he was going to get better. Stafford looks for him continuously downfield. Stafford looks for him in the red zone. Uh, Golden Tate didn't really get those looks. So I felt it was going to get better, especially as the schedule gets tougher for Detroit in the weeks ahead. They're not going to be able to impose their will, play from ahead, and run the ball. They're going to be playing from behind. They're going to have to pass. Well, obviously, uh, I, I, it, last week, you know what I said looked good because Marvin Jones had a season high 10 targets, 7 catches, 117, and 2 touchdowns. And now, with Golden Tate out, even better. So you have to be really happy if you're a Marvin Jones or a... Kenny Galladay owner because they're just going to get a ton of targets. TJ Jones likely moves to the slot. Someone to keep an eye on in deeper leagues. I want to see if Michael Roberts gets him more involved at tight end. He had two touchdowns two weeks ago and did nothing in week eight. You got to think Theo Riddick when he comes back to this could benefit him. Maybe they use Theo Riddick in the slot a little bit more. We did see Kerryon Johnson get eight targets in the past game last week, but certainly Marvin Jones and Galladay pretty much to me become Every week, wide receiver twos there, so they're big winners in the trade. The other big trade today was the Texans acquiring Demarius Thomas from the Broncos for a fourth-round pick. The teams also exchanged seventh-round picks. We pretty much knew something was going to happen with Demarius Thomas. We've been hearing that for a couple of weeks. So the big winner here is Cortland Sutton. Man, if you've been stashing Sutton, you are ecstatic. And I do have Sutton in a couple leagues, although I did drop him in one last week, and uh, that really hurts. Another league, I drafted Sutton. It was a, a, a draft with 18 roster spots, and I wound up dropping him a few weeks ago. So, look, I wrote the Fab article, put Sutton as the top pick. You got to empty the budget for him. You know, there's no need to save too much money right now. Sutton's an impact player the rest of the year. If you have to spend all your Fab, I have no problem doing it. I mean, you always want to leave a little bit, um, depending on the the depth of the league. You know, if you have first come, first serve after fab runs, then you're good. You can always get players. Obviously, if you're in a high stakes league and it's you got to spend the money and it's you know two waiver wire periods a week, yeah, you want to leave some money left. Uh, Sutton's not available in most of the high stakes leagues anyway. This is for more leagues with 16 roster spots, uh, but his ownership percentage is pretty low. You know, because with bye weeks and you know the 
performance that he's put forth so far, which hasn't been great. Maybe people cut him, but I would spend a ton of money on Sutton this week if he is available on the waiver wire. This kid is a stud. We've seen flashes, 6'4", 215. Now he goes into a full-time role, and he's been fairly productive in a part-time role. Does have two touchdowns this year. Last week, three for 78 on four targets. He hasn't had more than six targets in a game this year, and his season high last week was actually last week when he had the 78 receiving yards. This kid is good. So this is a big upgrade for Cortland Sutton. You have got to go get him on the waiver wire if he's available. And if you have to spend the bulk of your budget, do it. Now, we were going to look at Kiki Cutie as a big pickup this week if he was still available. And he might be because the Texans uh, had, uh, you know, he was hurt last week. The Thursday night game, maybe you cut him. Uh, They play this week against Denver, and then they have a bye week. So there was potential with QT dealing with a hamstring injury that we might not have seen him to week 11. But uh, Demarius Thomas there, now that scales back some of the targets, and I think QT could still have some value. It's just that not as appealing as we thought before. You know, QT might have been one of the biggest pickups this week. I'm taking Sutton over him for sure. Uh, And QT can still do some things. You know, they did uh, generate a lot of plays for him. But you also have to wonder, you know, is the hamstring good to go? Because he had this in the preseason as well. Uh, Demarius Thomas, you know, I think this helps him because – Case Keenum was just not getting him the ball. Remember that game against the Chiefs, the first matchup? Thomas was open and and, Ke- and would have been a touchdown. Keenum couldn't get him the ball. So Keenum just hasn't been sharp this year. So he gets an upgrading quarterback with Deshaun Watson. Again, you're always worried about going to a new team, learning the playbook and adjusting. So Thomas is not what he was. But I, I think wide receiver three, I'd say DeAndre Hopkins, obviously, is going to get a lot of attention on the other side. He's not going to see the elite cornerbacks. So that's going to help. And, you know, Thomas can get you double-digit points of PPR formats in a lot of weeks. So I think it's a, a slight upgrade for him because he's going to a better offense and a better quarterback uh, there. And we know Will Fuller out for the year with that torn ACL. So, uh, again, I think biggest winner today, though, is Cortland Sutton for, uh, for sure. The other trade that we saw today, uh, minor trade, the Ravens, they acquired Ty Montgomery from the Packers for a 2027th round pick. And we knew this was going to happen. We talked about it yesterday. Ty Montgomery was told not to return the kickoff out of the end zone late in the game against the Rams. He did, and he fumbled. So we knew that pretty much he was either going to get cut or traded. So uh, this is uh, takes a little bit of a hit for Buck Allen, who's actually seen his usage decline uh, lately anyway. And Allen has just been very reliant on touchdowns this year. He has not looked good. So you could see Tom Montgomery involved in the pass game a little bit. You know, Buck Allen last week, just three catches, 18 yards. He did find the end zone. The week before, six touches. The week before, four, where he was pretty much getting double-digit touches for the first five weeks. And we have seen the you should scale back for Buck Allen. So you could see Montgomery involved in that mix. Don't really think it hurts Alex Collins too much. You know, Alex Collins is still going to be the primary back. It's not like we see Alex Collins get a ton of uh, volume in the passing game. Anyway, he only has 14 receptions so far this year in eight games. He does have five receptions in the last two weeks. So uh, he did have that big fumble. Hopefully they don't penalize him for him because he got hit as soon as he touched the ball in that backfield. Some of the other news going on, A.J. Green was in a walking boot today. People panic that when they see that, but according to reports, it's just precautionary. Fortunately, the timing is good. So Green is dealing with a toe injury, but he is uh, on by this week. So some good news there. Uh, and it looks like Green should be ready to go for week 10. Ben Roethlisberger has a fractured left index finger. That's his non-throwing hand. The Steelers expect him to be fine. 
he is uh, going to play this week. So obviously not great, but at least it's not his throwing hand. And Roethlisberger will go against the Ravens this week uh, in a crucial divisional battle. The Bills are just a mess right now, and it looks like Nathan Peterman could start this week. Derek Anderson had a concussion late last night, and Peterman, obviously, when we have seen him so far, has been terrible. He has an 11.1 interception percentage when he's played, so obviously the Bears' defense, especially if Khalil Mack can be back and healthy, uh, is going to be a popular play this week. In season long, they're pretty much only in every league. They'll be popular in DFS as well. I think people are going to pay up for him. Thursday night's game is ugly this week, the 49ers and the Raiders, and it looks like C.J. Beathard might sit. He's dealing with a wrist injury. He's having problems holding the ball. Kyle Shanahan, the coach, said Beathard would probably be ready if the 49ers played on Sunday, but they're not. It's a Thursday game, so we could be looking at Nick Mullins starting at quarterback for the 49ers this week in what should be an atrocious game to watch on Thursday. And the Seahawks. They released Brandon Marshall today. I hope you guys didn't spend money on him earlier in the year. You could tell he's near the end of the line, and obviously David Moore has been coming on for Seattle. So Marshall said he still wants to play, but he's 34 years old and definitely near the end of the road in his NFL career. When we return, I'm going to be joined by Bill Enright. You can find him from ffchamps.com. We'll get his thoughts on all the trades today and all the news going on in the NFL. That is ahead right here at Scout Fantasy Sports on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fantasy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. It is... It is Scout Fantasy Sports here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. I am Adam Ronis here until 8 p.m. Eastern as we do each and every weekday live at 7 p.m. Eastern. Of course, you can always check out the show on demand anytime you want. Check out ScoutFantasySports.com. We have the latest trade deadline analysis up. My Week 9 Fab Line Bidding Guide. Dr. Otto's podcast as well as an article on running backs to buy and sell. And our Week 9 Projections from Sean Childs are up right now as a big week this week with six teams on by. So you have to do a lot of roster maintenance. You could also check out Scout DFS for your NBA, NFL, NHL, DFS needs. And, of course, VegasWhispers.com. Another win last night in the primetime Monday Night Football game. The pick was New England minus 13.5, and they covered. So become a member today. Enter the promo code HOT50 to get a discount. Time now to bring in Bill Enright, ffchamps.com. Bill, what's going on? What's up, Adam? Busy day in the world of fantasy football with that trade deadline. We're used to not really having a whole lot of news when it comes to the NFL trades, but this year was really a lot different. Yeah, certainly the case kind of felt like the baseball trade deadline. I don't know if you play fantasy baseball, but I do, and we always usually get a lot of 
action around the baseball trade deadline, but it kind of felt like this wasn't too big of a surprise. We've been hearing a lot of murmurs, and we've been seeing more trades lately, so it wasn't too big of a surprise. I think it was more of just everything kind of waited to the last day. Sure, we knew Demarius Thomas was probably going to get traded. The report a couple of days ago was 50% or, you know, 50-50 that he'd, he'd move on. Same thing with Golden Tate. I didn't see the Ty Montgomery thing coming, but a couple of people on Twitter said the running was on the wall there, too. So it's always a surprise with the landing spot. I mean, I don't know. Will Fuller doesn't tear his ACL. Is Demarius Thomas a Houston Texans today? Probably not. Um, you know, I think the Eagles are always looking to improve their offense and, the addition of Golden Tate is, I think, makes Carson Wentz a surefire top five quarterback the rest of the way. Let's start with that. Uh, what is Tate's value now in your eyes now that he goes to Philadelphia? You know, I don't think he loses. I don't think he loses value compared to when he was with the, the Eagles. Um, I think he will remain in the PPR league a top fifteen wide receiver. Certainly has that big upside. We know his after the catch uh, ability is. You know, among the best in the league. I think he's led the league in that category during the last four years. I still think he gets double-digit targets every week. If you're in that PPR format, you lock him in as a high-end uh, wide receiver, too. Um, but I think it's the impact on that Eagles team. I- I'd rather see the Eagles throw the ball seven yards down the field. It's probably more efficient than if they tried to throw out Corey Clement or Wendell Smallwood. So maybe it hurts their rushing attack a little bit. I don't think it, it bothers Alshon Jeffrey's value at all. If anything, maybe it makes him a little bit better. Maybe he'll see uh, some, some more um, long-distance routes instead of some of the shorter slants that we've seen him running or shorter these, these outer digs that he's been running lately. And then Nelson Aguilar will probably get bumped down a little bit to the outside of the slot. He'll probably become their whatever X or Z receiver. And, um, and, and he will still have a role, but he certainly won't be as fantasy viable now that Golden Tate is kind of going to be that possession receiver for Philly. Yeah, only negative if you have Golden Tate. Second bye week. You already had one with Detroit, and he's on bye this week. So <laughs> that, that I have him in, in my home league. It's 14 teams, and I was like, damn it, because I have A.J. Green on bye, and now Tate, oh, it's, it's hurting. So uh, I think that, you know people have to be aware of that. Uh, you know, I, I do think you know their running game has been bad. You know, Golden Tate could be kind of an extension of the running game and, and pepper him with passes. Right, and that's, that's what I think. His yards after the catch and then his route running ability – he, he's, I think he's leading the league this year on third down catches, or, or maybe that was last year, but he's up there again for this year. Um, and then, again, his yards after the catch is so good that even if you throw him three or five yards downfield, it is absolutely an extension of that run game, plus it gives your playmaker the ability to make plays. And I think that's what offense coordinators always try to go into games doing. They game plan for certain players. And they want their playmakers to make plays, and Golden Tate is certainly a big-time playmaker. Joined by Bill Enright. You can find him at com. always one of the top fantasy pros rankers. Uh, Demarius Thomas going to the Texans. What does this do for his fantasy value? Does it increase it, stay the same, or is it a little bit worse? I'm sorry, can you repeat that, Adam? For Demarius Thomas, what does it do for his oh. fantasy value? Yes, sir. Uh, Demarius Thomas, he was he – was, I don't want to say he was struggling with the Broncos. Um, he wasn't having a big year. This is a guy that we were accustomed to seeing 90 catches, 1,400 yards, flirting with double-digit touchdowns. That was, you know, two years ago in 2015, and he's gone down every single year. 2016 he went down, 2017 he went down. Now here we are in 2018, and I know it's going to change a little bit because he's on a different offense, but he's projected, if he just carries through his stats for the rest of the year, 
72 catches for 804 yards. Now, this is a receiver that once upon a time was a top 10 wide receiver in fantasy football. He's 30. It's not like he's 33. He's not 26 or 27, but he's, he's, he's 30. He's right at that 30 mark. And it looks like he's, you know, on the wrong side of that 30 mark instead of being, you know, like these one year, you know, these ageless wonders like a Larry Fitz or a Frank Gore. You know, it just, you really have to respect the hell out of those guys, right? Because they're still doing it at 35 years old, at 34 years old. So then when you see Demarius Thomas come in at 30, Des Bryant, 31, have this huge, massive decline, right? It really goes to show, wow, Fitz, Gore, Hall of Famers, that's really what and then a true NFL Hall of Famer is really all about. They've been doing it for so long, they defy um, age, if you will, or they define youth. Um, Demarius Thomas with the Texans, I said it earlier, I don't think if Will Fuller tore his, if Will Fuller did not tear his ACL, Demarius Thomas wouldn't be on the Texans today. Um, but with Kiki Kuti banged up, I think their next best wide receiver is Sammy Coates. Um, they got rid of Braxton Miller earlier in the year, so Demarius Thomas will have a role for the Texans, but he's not a wide receiver one anymore. We've seen that with the Broncos. And DeAndre Hopkins is there, so maybe Demarius Thomas is like a 5 for 60 kind of guy every week. I think that might be on the higher end. Uh, what about on the other side in Denver? I think pretty much everyone loves Cortland Sutton. I do have him in a couple leagues. He is sitting on the waiver wire in some leagues. How much of the budget would you spend to acquire him if he's out there, and how much does his help him? So I, I love your fab uh, guide every week, and I think you were spot on this week saying that Corlin Sutton should go for you know twenty five to thirty dollars, or I'm sorry, two hundred fifty to three hundred dollars if you're in a thousand dollar budget, twenty five to thirty dollars if you're in a hundred dollar budget. I think the potential is certainly there for him to have a big game. I have him in a lot of leagues. I've held on to him because of that potential. Um, whether Demarius got hurt or Emmanuel Sanders got traded, I actually thought Sanders would have been the one that got traded from the Broncos, but he's having such a good year, I guess they wanted to keep him. Uh, point is, Sutton now gets a huge opportunity. I mean, Demarius Thomas, while he wasn't doing a whole lot, he was still uh, sucking up a lot of targets. So maybe Sutton goes up from like three to five targets a game. Maybe now he gets eight to 12 because they don't really use their tight end a lot. They have Emmanuel Sanders. Devontae Booker is still pissing, pissing us all off, catching passes out of the backfield. So it's really only Sanders and Sutton now, instead of Sanders, Thomas, Booker, Lindsley, then Sutton. Yeah, and I actually think you, you could spend more money if you have to, because I, I might have had this discussion with you at some point this year. I, this has not been a great year for the waiver wire. We just haven't gotten a lot of impact players. To me, the two guys that stand out off the top of my head, Tyler Boyd and Philip Lindsay. Outside of that, like I feel like in a lot of my leagues, I still have a, a good portion of fab left. So we know Sutton can be an impact player the rest of the year. So I'm willing to spend the bulk of it if he's available in, in your league still. You know, I'm in two leagues with a $100 budget, and I have, I'm looking it up right now, I have $60 and $65 left in two leagues. And we're midway through the season. So you'd expect midway, maybe you have some injuries, by which are really just starting to hit the last two weeks. But, yeah, I think you're right. Usually I, I want to say I'm more in that 45 to 55 range, and I'm $10 over this year. So, yeah, Tyler Boyd and, and Philip Lindsay really the only ones. I was fortunate enough to get Nick Chubb off the waiver wire in one league. Um, I really can't say someone has jumped out. I mean, was Patrick Mahomes a waiver wire grab this year? No, 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 no. Maybe not. 100% not. drafted? 
Maybe not 100%, but, I mean, again, I play in a lot of leagues with 18 to 20 roster spots, so people are taking right. two quarterbacks. Maybe if you were in a league with 16 roster spots, he wasn't, but, and again, every league is different. So, yeah, obviously, if Mahomes was somehow picked up, sure, he's up there, but I think in most competitive leagues, he wasn't. The same with Nick Chubb. I mean, I had Nick Chubb on four leagues that I was waiting on, uh, so maybe leagues with 16 roster spots because he wasn't doing much, he could have been picked up. And he still hasn't had the huge impact. I still think he can be very good the rest of the year. But in most competitive leagues, like Boyd was not drafted in a lot of high-stakes leagues. I know he was available after week one. And Philip Lindsay wasn't drafted in most leagues either. So to me, those are really the two that really stand out. There just hasn't been that significant one. And we still have time. There could be someone. But sometimes you can't wait around, especially when someone like Sutton becomes available tonight. Yeah, I think you're spot on with that. You know, availability is the best ability. And right now, Corlin Sun, if he's available in your league, don't you don't wait around for a guy like that. You pounce on him now instead of saying, "Oh, well, you know what? Let me see what he can turn into." Uh, but because in my mind, it's too late. So you, you you do a good job of trying to be on top of the waiver wire a week or two early. Um, but I think you're right this year. The, the waiver wire, and, it, and it's not like there hasn't been injuries. Right? There, there's been guys that are injured, like Leonard Fournette and Dalvin Cook. Those are two big first-round, second-round picks that have, have just basically been out since, you know, whatever, week two, week three. Latavius Murray, sure, he's been okay. TJ Yeldon, sure, he's been okay. But, like, even those guys are probably the last or second-to-last picks in your draft. Right, yeah. So even, when there's, even, even when there's been injuries, like Austin Eckler, Melvin Gordon didn't play in a London game. Austin Eckler's already on a team. Oh, he was on in every league. He might, he might have been picked up the first few weeks of the year, so maybe we could right. put him in there. But, oh, yeah, by London, he was on in every league. Right. So even when these injuries are happening, is that, something, is that more of an analysis on fantasy football community managers as a whole that we are now smarter, that we already know who the backup are going to be, and they're already stashed on the roster, or is it just a matter of the NFL is really just sticking with their starters and there's not a lot of under-the-radar guys that are popping up um, in fantasy this year? I don't know. It's a pretty interesting study. Yeah, I think everyone's drafting these backups. That's why. I mean, we know that the running back position, ton of injuries, and you want to have that guy on your roster stashed, you know, instead of a – well, this year might be a bad year. You might need two tight ends. But if you have 16 roster spots, maybe you don't have a backup tight end because you're stashing that running back in the hopes of injury. You know, no one, especially people have gotten more savvy. In most leagues, you're not having a backup kicker or defense. I still see some teams still with two defenses, and I'll never understand it because this is a year two. There's no dominant defenses. We've seen no bit. We've seen the Bears give up production. Obviously, Jack and the, and I hope people learn. Okay, people were still taking Jacksonville eighth, ninth, tenth round this year. That clearly has backfired. People never learn. They're going to do the same thing. There will be a team that finishes on a strong streak this year, maybe the Bears with Khalil Mack back, and they're going to draft that defense again next year early. Don't do it. And no matter how many times we tell people, they will do it the next year. You, you, people, get, people fool themselves into thinking they're smarter than they really are. So they'll look at it and say, oh, the Jacksonville Jaguars scored 20 points a game last week. I'm going to pick them in the 10th round. And they're going to be 20 points added to my starting lineup. And you're, meanwhile, you're picking your fifth wide receiver who might not see your starting lineup. I'm picking a starter that's going to score me 20 points a week. In a vacuum, that makes sense. However, there hasn't been a back-to-back defense that finished number one 
I can't, since maybe the Baltimore Ravens in like 2000, and I don't even know if they were really that good the following year after they won the Super Bowl, but I'm saying it goes back a long time. Um, so, yeah, I, I, you know, I was on the Bears this year. I drafted them. I'm not going to draft them again next year. I had the Jaguars last year. I move on. Like, it, people get wrapped up in trying to outsmart themselves or think they're so smart that they're outsmarting their competition, and then they get caught. You know, they get caught with the, their hand in the cookie jar. No, definitely the case. Talking to Bill Enright, FFChamps.com. How about for Detroit now? Uh, how much does this boost Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay, who I've seen people have been panicking on with three targets the last two weeks? Hopefully people didn't make rash moves, but what does this do for Detroit? Anyone else benefit besides those two? And what does it do for, for Jones and Galladay going forward? I like it for Jones and Galladay. Uh, um, Golden Tate. I mean, his target share, I think Matthew Stafford is at, oh, I have it written down right here. Matthew Stafford, uh, 35 passes per game. Golden State has accounted for 10 of them. So that opens up 10 targets. Now, if you think about the Detroit offense, Theo Riddick went healthy. Maybe he moves to the slot a little bit more often. Okay. They don't have a tight end. Their wide receiver three is, is who, TJ Jones now? I mean, those 10 targets that Tate accounted for, they're gonna, I think they're going to go directly to Golden, uh, Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones. At least eight of them. So if you split it in half, that's four additional targets for Gaudi and Jones. Targets and opportunity equal more pro- uh, equal more production. You know, we're always looking for more opportunity, and Gaudi and Marvin Jones certainly have it. Now, I do think it has a little bit of a negative effect on Matthew Stafford, because again, Tate, his yards after the catch ability has been the best in the league. So Stafford, I think, will now have to throw more and expect his receivers to do more than what Golden Tate did, because you could throw to Tate for seven yards, he'll gain 15. Galladay and, and Jones are not that big of guys after the catch, so maybe the average depth of the target will go down, uh, will go up a little bit uh, with Matthew Stafford here, since he's not throwing all these underneath passes to Golden Tate. So I'm not going to downgrade him too much. Maybe he's closer to that like 12 to 15 quarterback for the year instead of that maybe you know 8 to 11 area. Does it do anything or change the value of Carrion Johnson? Uh, we've seen Johnson increase his role in the offense with Theo Riddick out. He had eight targets last week. Do you feel good about Carrion Johnson going forward, or do you think Theo Riddick will cut into his value when he returns? He was a great by low candidate a couple weeks ago when I think it was like Garrett Plunt, like he had those two touchdowns, or maybe it was a little bit earlier than that. Um, but everyone was kind of panicking about. Everything was kind of everyone was kind of panicking about Carryon, uh, Carryon Johnson. Maybe it was like his first or second game where he didn't really do a whole lot. And then Matt Patricia came out and said, "You know, we're giving him the ball enough. He doesn't need any more work." Well, that turned out to be a total, you know, fallacy because we see now that when he gets a lot of a lot of touches, he's very productive. And whether it's you know eight rushes for twenty two yards, but then you see the six catches for sixty nine yards in week eight, or the week before against Miami, he didn't do as much in the passing attack but he had 19 rushes for 158 yards against the Dolphins. So I think Detroit will try to run the football a little bit more. Another reason why you may want to downgrade Matthew Stafford. Yeah, they have tried, and um, I was pointing this out. You know, Stafford had three straight games of fewer than 30 pass attempts, and then last week he went to 40 because they played from behind. You know, they want to run the football and keep the pace slow, but looking at their upcoming schedule, I don't think they're going to be able to do it. So that's the only the only hope, and... I do have Stafford in a couple leagues. He's actually one of my best teams. He's my weakest link. So, uh, you know, the rest of the team is so good that I don't even need Stafford to put up a lot. But 
their schedule gets a lot tougher. They've imposed their will and played real slow. I don't think looking at their upcoming schedule, they're going to be able to do that. You know, they tried to improve their defense a little bit by, by trading for Snacks Harrison. I think that'll slow down opposing rushing attacks. And then on the flip side of that, if you want to rush the football more, you want to have a good running defense. And, and maybe that's the direction they're trying to go in. I can see Matt Patricia certainly trying to do that. Yeah, their schedule ahead. Vikings, Bears twice, Panthers, Rams. Sorry, they're not going to be playing from ahead consistently with that schedule. Lots more to talk about with Bill Enright when we return. It is Scout Fantasy Sports on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. Back here, it is Scout Fantasy Sports. Adaronis here until 8 p.m. Eastern. You can check me out, scoutfantasysports.com. The latest analysis on the trade deadline. What does it mean for your fantasy team? My Week 9 Fab Blind Bidding Guide. Dr. Roto's Running Backs to Buy and Sell. His podcast and the Week 9 Projections from Sean Childs, which are top 10 according to Fantasy Pros. They are up now. Of course, you can ask your questions on the message boards and forums anytime you want. Enter the promo code RONIS70. Get 70% off your first month. Also, check out Scout DFS, NBA in full swing, my favorite DFS sport. We have an optimizer there, Slack chat. You could try a seven-day free trial, win some money, and then come join us, NFL, NHL, and, of course, VegasWhispers.com, another win in a primetime game. They had New England minus 13.5 last night, and they covered. There's a free pick of the day. Uh, I document and retweet all the picks so make sure you check it out i'm joined by bill enright ffchamps.com bill were you in buffalo last night throwing dildos on the field <laughs> no. you know <laughs> they might not be a very good team but their fan base is number one i'll tell you they, oh, they're, they really they're crazy right wild yeah they just i guess there's just nothing else to do up in buffalo man like you're pretty much first of all you're pretty much in canada which is okay cool but you're in the middle of nowhere i mean you can go to toronto i suppose but when that winter comes and, and you're hitting that snow belt and that lake effect snow starts piling on, the only thing to do is get wild in the parking lot, you know, in Orchard Park. And that's what Bills fans are great at. And if you have to watch that offense, I mean, geez, it is so bad. Uh, it, it's just brutal, and we could see Peterman starting this week. So uh, it, it's just terrible right now. Kelvin Benjamin, just awful to watch. Uh, LaShawn McCoy is a player I stayed away from. He was my bust of the year for our preseason pro picks. And just because, you know, everyone cited the volume, but he started to get the volume, but he's not going to score touchdowns. So, you know, with the offense, the age, you know, the 30, age 30 season, and now he doesn't get traded, it's pretty bad for LaShawn McCoy right now. I was more interested in looking at how the people in the middle tier that probably paid a lot more for those tickets with the heating lamps above them than I was about LaShawn McCoy. Um because you're right, that offense is just so friggin' boring. And it's a shame because you can tell that Shady still has it in him. He puts that ball in his one hand and he's holding it like a loaf of bread. You know he's <laughs> going places. 
right? It, you know he's off to the races, man, and it's awesome to watch. But then, like, there's a holding penalty, and then the gate's 25 yards. Or that only happens one every 15 plays. So it's like, you, you can't, you, yes, you said it, the volume is there, but the volume was uh, there in terms of targets for Des Bryant a couple years ago, and he never really transferred that into production. And, and, and that's one of the main things I always look at, right? I, I always look at opportunity. Is this player getting opportunity? And sometimes there's outliers, and, and LaShawn McCoy has the opportunity, but the production's just not following suit. Think of the wide receivers this team has get, uh, let go. Sammy Watkins, Robert Woods, and there's another good one that I'm missing off the top of my right. Isn't there someone else? Who am I forgetting? They had Jordan Matthews last year. Eh, I'm not going to um, count him. He's not great. But there's someone else. I forgot who it was, but uh, maybe it'll come to mind. D.D. Johnson? No, more recent. There's another receiver that left that team that's playing well. They just seem to, to get rid of good wide receivers, though. I mean, Robert Woods. I mean, look Chris Hogan? Oh, that's a, that's another good one. Yeah, he's been solid, but that's not you were thinking of. No, maybe it was. I don't know. I thought that was another one. Maybe it'll come to mind. Uh, but let's uh, let's look at the Browns now. Obviously, they were in the news yesterday with the coaching changes and shifting offensive coordinator. Can you gauge what this does for fantasy? I mean, we pretty much we're using Jarvis Landry. We're using Nick Chubb. Najoka was a disappointment last week with a zero. He's been pretty much consistent otherwise. But you got a rookie quarterback going through all these changes, Baker Mayfield. What do you think this does for the fantasy value of these Browns players? Well, I, I think the Browns are just such a mess, man. Like, why not just do this after you went 0-16 last year? Thank you. I mean, this would have been easy, right? Like, anyone else could have yeah, seen I this. Just, I, don't, I just don't get it. I don't, like, you've done, you've done better this year than you have the last two years combined, so why fire him now? I don't understand it. Um... And then you find the offensive coordinator, too. So if the trouble was, okay, your head coach and your offensive coordinator weren't getting along, pick one. But they, they, didn't even, they picked neither. And now Greg Williams, who I'm not a fan of, his defense is good. I just don't approve of what he did with the Saints in Bounty Gate. Um, he's going to be the defensive coordinator. I think it's a mess. And I think he doesn't care about offense. And whenever a defensive-minded head coach takes uh, – whenever a defensive-minded coach takes over as the head coach, I get worried – unless they have an established offensive coordinator, and the Browns don't have that right now. I think it's their running back coach or their quarterback coach that got promoted. So I, I think if you have Jarvis Landry, great. If you have Nick Chubb, cool. If you have David Nujoko, okay. Um, but outside of that, I'm not using Baker anymore. I'm not using Antonio Callaway anymore. And I'm not banking on those guys other than Landry um, for solid, consistent production. If this team had a good coach, they could have started the year 3-0. and Let's not forget all the overtime games they have. ton of mistakes, so the talent is there. Going to be interesting to see who takes over eventually as the permanent head coach. I'm joined by Bill Enright. You can find him at ffgems.com. He's also one of the top rankers, according to Fantasy Pros, just like ScoutFantasySports.com. So you want to listen to us because we know what we're doing. Aaron Jones, uh, people have been on this roller coaster ride uh, for a while now, and they've kind of split among that backfield. But now with the departure of Ty Montgomery, it's kind of whittled down to Jones and Jamal Williams. And I think anyone who watches the Packers knows that Aaron Jones is the superior back. He played a season high in snaps in Week 8, 12 carries, 86 yards and a touchdown, two receptions for no yards, not involved much in the passing game. But are we finally going to see Aaron Jones unleashed a little bit more with the departure of Ty Montgomery? We better, right? Like, what else would be holding him back? Okay, we get it. He's not the best uh, pass protector, but he's certainly their most explosive rusher. And Mike McCarthy can pull all these tricks that, you know, that he wants. But at the end of the day, you have to make sure that your playmakers have the ball in their hands. 
And we saw what Jones did against the Rams last week, tying up that game or whatever, who was taking the lead. But regardless, you know, McCarthy, maybe, who knows, he might put, like, Randall Cobb at running back now that Montgomery's not there just to, like, show that he's so smug and thinks he's better than everyone else. He, he is probably one of those head coaches that pissed me off the most in the NFL. Um, him and Pete Carroll, I, I don't trust what either of them say. It's just been years and years of, of you know, positivity, negativity, you know, not telling it like it is. Um, so whatever either of those two guys say, I, I just don't pay attention to them. Um, so we'll see if McCarthy just can get out of his own way and use Jones a little bit more. I don't know if it's going to be this week, though, uh, against the Pats. I think it's going to be more of a passing attack game. What do you think of what happened with the wide receivers this past week? Marquez Valdez-Scantling was second on the team in snaps behind Devontae Adams. Randall Cobb and Geronimo Mileson obviously just came back. Valdez-Scantling was impressive with them out. Is this going to hurt? Do you see this trend continuing? So it's like really only Devontae Adams you can count on, or you think they were just slowly bringing back Allison and Cobb? You know, I think it was just a weird game because not only did Cobb and Allison not get a ton of work, but neither did Jimmy Graham. Um, and I, I would put Graham ahead of, of Scantling and maybe even Geronimo Allison, um, maybe even Randall Cobb on a weekly basis in terms of targets. And that was not the plan this week against the Rams. Maybe that was just more of a matchup thing with the Rams secondary being a little bit more banged up, their defensive front being very ferocious, putting a lot of pressure on Rodgers. So he had to change up who he was passing to. I'm not entirely sure why that happened this week. I don't, I don't think it's a trend. That will continue, though. Yeah, very interesting for deeper formats to see how that plays out. And as you mentioned, going against the Patriots should be a heavy passing attack for Green Bay coming up in Week 9. How worried should Eric Ebron owners be right now? We saw him actually, he was fourth on the team among tight ends in snaps. Now, he did score a touchdown, and he seems to be scoring a touchdown just about every game this season. That's now seven in eight games. But with Jack Doyle back, we saw the snaps go down again. <laughs> you know, do you ever like feel justified or, or or get a little happy when you don't pick a player for whatever reason, and he blows up in your face, and then it, he comes back down to earth, and I just I like give myself like a little bit of a fist bump. Um, that's what's happening with Eric Ebron right now because I just never bought into the fact that oh my God, Eric Ebron is the next Travis Kelsey and Rob Gronkowski scoring two touchdowns a game for 105 yards with 15 targets, three straight games with double with double digit targets. Wow, I can't believe this is happening. Holy crap, is it sustainable? And it turns out it's not because Eric Ebron was bound to get healthy. T.Y. Hillen was bound to get healthy. Uh, the Colts miraculously found a rushing attack, and all of those things are working against Eric Ebron in a really, really big way. If you had him, be happy to, that you got to ride that train for a little bit, but it's time to get off. Yeah, I uh, have Jack Doyle in the league. Happy to have him back. And we know Andrew Luck loves to own the tight end. And also, uh, story maybe. People are starting to realize now that Colts offensive line is good. I think Andrew Luck hasn't been sacked for three straight games. They're top five in run blocking, so that's been one of the big issues for them over the years, and it has really turned around for the Colts this year. Uh, Devontae Parker is a player that burned me last year. I was heavily invested, and I didn't think we might hear from him again this year. Adam Gase seemed to not want to play him. There were rumors he could be dealt. Obviously, he wasn't. They're hurting right now. Albert Wilson on injured reserve. Kenny Stills dealing with a groin injury might be out again in this week. And Devontae Parker, nine targets last week, six for 134. Are we going to be relying on Devontae Parker as a fantasy asset going forward? I really, I, I really hope not. 
I can't stand them. I re- I can't. I, him and Sammy Watkins both had big games last week, and I'm 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 a fan of neither of those players. Um, both of them first round picks. Both of them have immense talent. Neither of them have been able to do it on a consistent basis, whether they're on the football field or not, whether they're injured or not. Parker seems like much more of a headache than Watkins is. You know, I don't think Watkins. Uh, causes any problems within the team or in the locker room. Uh, Parker, I feel like he does cause a lot of problems, and his agent starts blobbing off and going to social media and saying that the team doesn't want to, you know, the team is colluding against him to, you know, drive down his value and all this nonsense. Sammy Watkins, by, you know, by all means, is, is a great player as, as a teammate. Um, I just don't like how inconsistent he is. I don't like how I, I feel like he's very injury-prone. And the same thing with Parker. I mean, he was an he was a beast in Louisville. Like he was a guy that I felt like defenders were afraid to tackle, and I just don't see that in the NFL. And I maybe it's because he was so much bigger than everyone else um, playing in the ACC or whatever conference Louisville's in now. But for whatever reason, man, he just has not translated to the NFL. And I would not be surprised if he's the day that the NFL season can cut players. And what is that? It's sometime in March, the the new league year. Um, he's gonna be one of those first guys waved. Talking to Bill Enright from FFChamps.com, one of the top rankers according to Fantasy Pros. What about DJ Moore? You know, I think a lot of people, especially in the high stakes leagues, were very high on this guy. He was going eighth, ninth round, and we obviously didn't see much from him early in the season. We saw Torrey Smith starting, but with Torrey Smith injured last week, DJ Moore got his biggest opportunity of the season. Five receptions for 90 yards, two carries for 39 does this continue going forward? Can we rely on DJ Moore as someone in our fantasy lineups based on what we saw last week? Yeah, I'd like to think so. Uh, the Panthers are, one, a very good team. I think a lot of people slept on them for the last couple of weeks, but they're coming off big wins against the Eagles and the, and the Ravens, and they're, they're looking pretty good. Um, they have a really good schedule, especially uh, you know playing in that NFC South where defense tends to be optional sometimes and points are are. In, are you know, widely encouraged that Bucks defense, that Falcons defense, really banged up in their secondary. It's always a shootout with the New Orleans Saints. Um, I would like to see DJ Moore kind of put things together, right? We, we've seen it from Calvin Ridley, and we, we, we've seen maybe Corlin Sutton now steps up. I'm trying to think of that third receiver that was drafted. Um, Calvin Ridley, DJ Moore, who am I missing in, in that trio of uh, rookie Anthony wide Miller, Corlin Sutton. No, no. Maybe it was just, maybe it was just Calvin Ridley. Uh, they were the they were the only two first uh, receivers to go in the first round this year, so I'm, I must be just thinking of Ridley. Um, but anyway, I, I would like to see more do, uh, do well and do better. Uh, if you have him as your wide receiver five, maybe he goes up to your wide receiver four. Bye weeks come into play, and all of a sudden he's your wide receiver three. And who knows? By the time playoffs roll around, maybe you're starting him as a weekly starter because Devin Funches stinks, and Cam Newton knows that he has to get the ball to a more talented receiver like DJ Moore. That's what's great about the fantasy season, right? Like, we're past week eight. We're now into the midway point or a little bit past the halfway point. It's a whole new season. Um, I I always think of it like that. You know, the the tale of two seasons, man. Like, some players, they just come out of nowhere. They just emerge. They just, especially with rookies, it it takes them a couple weeks to get used to the NFL, the speed of the game, the the, the play calling, how defenses should be read. So, and rookies always, I try to keep an eye on them for the second half of the year because more often than not, they really, things start to click a little bit faster. And, and when they can react faster and, they, and it becomes more natural to them, that's when they start to produce a little bit more. 
Yes, and we are starting to see that, especially with some of the rookie wide receivers, and that is a position where it does take some time to learn the playbook and the offense. Larry Fitzgerald coming off his best game of the season, 12 targets, 8 for 102 and a touchdown. Is he back? Is this a product of Byron Leftwich trying to get him the ball more, or was this just a great matchup against San Francisco and he exploited it? I think all of the above. I think Byron Leftwich realizes he has to get Larry Fitz the ball more. I think the 49ers defense stinks. Um, I think Josh Rosen realizes he needs to get Larry Fitz the, the, the ball more. Um, I read an article that Larry Fitz has never spiked the football on a touchdown, and his, his, his own son went to the Arizona State Fair instead of coming to see his father play, and he said that motivated him, that stayed with him throughout the game. He felt like a bad father that his own son didn't want to go out and support him because the Cardinals are obviously one of the worst teams in the NFL. And he's fighting the football for the first time. Nice guy, Larry. Everyone's favorite He apologized for it. He apologized, right. Like, that is, <laughs> it, that's, it, that's insane. He's Larry Fitzgerald, man. Like, his, his own son didn't come and see him play, and then he, he apologized. He said, I have to be a better father. You know, I, I let down all the young kids out there, or I set a bad example for spiking the football. Odell Beckham Jr. runs over to Randy Moss on national television and pretends to pull his pants down on Monday Night Football, just like Randy Moss did a couple years ago, and he celebrated. Larry Fitzgerald spiked the football. He's a future Hall of Famer for the first time in his career, and he apologized for it. If that is not the tale of the differences of, of, of the type of players that the NFL is, is seeing leave the game and now entering the game, I don't know what is, man. That, that's crazy. It sucks, too, because I didn't like Larry Fitzgerald going into the year. And I thought the production would come down, and so far it has. But he's a tough guy to root against. He's such a good guy, and he's been a staple in the game for a long time. So I always root for him. So it kind of sucked to, to bet against him this year. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> he's on any of my teams. But at the same time, he is someone that, you know, fantasy aside, I root for Larry Fitzgerald. I'd like to see him do well. I, I like what he stands for. I, I like the fact that he cares about what the fans think of him, and, and he wants to set a positive role model example. And that's important for athletes. You know, Charles Barkley, growing up, came out and said, you know, I'm not, I'm not a role model. Uh, and there was a whole big controversy. And I, I just always found that to be ridiculous because that's who kids look up to. And Larry Fitz has always been one of the best role models in the NFL. All right, that is Bill Enright. You can find him, ffchamps.com. Bill, thanks a lot for the time, and good luck this week. You got it, Adam. Thanks for having me. Best of luck to you. All right, check me out, scoutfantasysports.com. Enter the promo code RONA70. Get 70% off your first month. And check out scoutdfs and vegaswhispers.com. We want you to win money. I'll be back Wednesday, 7 p.m. Eastern.